Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode. I am super excited to have you here today. Hope everybody's Thanksgiving was absolutely amazing. Today, I have with us a special guest, Angie Barrett. She is an intuitive movement coach, advanced trauma-informed yoga instructor, a registered nurse, and a stand-up paddleboard yoga instructor who understands the human body and how it works. She helps people use play and movement to connect to their bodies, releasing stress, anxiety, depression, and tension. I think we could all afford to have some of that going on. After going from child abuse survivor to registered nurse to yoga instructor, she has spent much of her life caring for others. In 2017, she hit rock bottom and started on a journey to heal. Discovering playful ways of using movements helped her to learn to listen to her body, overcoming her suffering in ways traditional modalities could not. Now she helps others heal their pain, transforming their lives. Welcome, Angie. So glad to have you here. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So when I met, we met through Lauren and obviously she's an amazing person and always has the best healers in her group of network of people. So anytime Lauren says, oh, you have to talk to this person. I'm like, oh, yes, I absolutely have to talk to this person. (laughs) So she. Yeah, it's it's amazing the people she brings and awesome. so much knowledge, so much experience and just always a wealth of information. So tell us a little bit, because I know you said you went through your own childhood trauma or your survivor. Tell us a little bit about your story and what led you into the path that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. Whew, the pressure's on now. I hope I can keep up with Lauren's trend. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm teasing. Yeah. So um, I am a child abuse survivor. My abuse started when I was very young and went probably until I left for college. I don't actually have many memories of my childhood and what I do um, has come back later to me in life. Um, but my abuse started when I was very young. I had multiple abusers and it happened at church by friends of my parents. And so I had pretty significant religious trauma, um, betrayal of family friends, and it happened without my parents' knowledge or consent. Mm -hmm. So, um, there, there was a lot of factors going into it. My abuse was so, traumatic, um, that I, like I said, I didn't have many, many memories of it. In fact, I had no memory of it until about 2017 when I hit rock bottom, um, left for college. I graduated, I became a registered nurse and I've always worked in high intensity, high acuity areas. I worked emergency department, ICU, um, areas where I had high adrenaline because, living in a peaceful environment felt uncomfortable for me. And I didn't know why, but I always had to have that adrenaline always had to be moving. And then in 2017, so I got married. I actually went through an abusive marriage. Um, my now ex and I were, neither of us were healthy for each other. And we ended up creating a lot of harm. 
finally got divorced when I was 30. And so started healing, doing therapy, working to heal from, from my marriage. And, um, a few years later I started dating someone and because I had not done enough therapy, I was repeating some of the same cycles was a somewhat abusive controlling partner. But what happened is my partner ended up cheating on me and, I found out because they posted on social media that they were now involved with somebody else while we were still together. So I was dealing with the betrayal of my partner cheating on me and announcing it in such a public way. And that betrayal unlocked memories of my child abuse being betrayed mm -hmm. by family members, not family members, people who we saw as family, church members, church um, people in our, in our church congregation. Um, so I started dealing with dual traumas, both my partner and then these memories of this child abuse coming out. And that's when I hit rock bottom. I was absolutely not functioning. I laugh because that's one of my trauma responses, by the way. Um, but I, I just, I was not able to function. I felt like my whole entire world had come crashing down my childhood, my current adult life. And I, I just felt like I had nothing. So I ended up checking myself into an inpatient um, psychiatric hospital that specialized in PTSD and that I knew I needed help more than what I could get in outpatient therapy. I knew um, I struggled with an eating disorder most of my life and my eating disorder was, um, was very my coping strategy and I was starting to abuse substances. And so I knew I needed some help. So I checked myself in, I spent about a month in, um, in an inpatient unit and then came out and started doing pretty intensive therapy. Um, it was a, it was a struggle. And I, people asked me, how did you get out of that hole that you were in? And I crawled one inch at a time. And it, it was probably not probably it was, the second darkest period in my life, the first darkest being my childhood that I was now having to process through these memories of. Well, so as I was going through it, like I said, I'm a registered nurse and it got to be too much for me to actually be doing patient care, working in ERs and ICUs. It, the, the trauma, the stress surrounding all of it was too much for my nervous system. So I decided that I was going to take a break and I've practiced yoga. I've done yoga for many, many years. Um, I've done yoga probably for 20 years. And the yoga studio that I practiced at was offering a yoga teacher training. And so I thought I need something to do. So I took a yoga teacher training and I started teaching yoga. And around the same time, it was interesting. I actually stopped being able to practice yoga or to be a yoga student myself. I could teach it, but I couldn't practice it because feeling any sort of sensory information coming from my body, which is what yoga is designed to do, is designed to help you create this mind-body connection, put my system into overwhelm. It just triggered me. I shut down. I could teach it because I never went fully into feeling in my body because I had to stay aware of what was happening with my students. So I could teach it. I just couldn't practice it. And um, then COVID hit and uh, another yoga teacher friend of mine reached out to me and said she was going to do a trauma-informed yoga training and asked if I wanted to take it with her. So I did. And that just changed my world. I did a bunch of training with a, an organization called Collective Resilience Yoga. And I learned some really powerful things. Um, Trauma-informed yoga became easier for me. It's taught a little bit differently than traditional yoga. But one of the things that really stuck out to me is we were talking about different nervous system states and different ways to get us into different parts of our nervous system and play 
playful movement, playing like you're a child was one of the tools to help connect to the sense of safety in our bodies or the Mm -hmm. part of our nervous system that helps us feel safety. And that was pretty mind blowing for me. And about the same time, I started doing a protocol with my therapist um, designed to help people who have experienced abuse at such a young age. Um, So when we experience abuse um, as children, my therapist describes it as our brain marinates in those stress hormones, which is why I was comfortable Mm -hmm. in high acuity environments and peace made me feel discomfort and unsafe. So there's a protocol that's designed to help young children, people who were young children who experienced that. And the underlying premise is that all mammals and humans are mammals, by the way, were born with our brains pre-wired for play. So we come out knowing how to play. And if you think of how babies learn how to move, they just have this like joyful movement playing in their bodies. Mm-hmm. So play became this really big theme at, at a point in my life, play and movement. And so I started playing around, pun intended, um, with movements in my body, learning how to see if I could tap into the sensory information that was coming from my body because I couldn't connect to it any other way. Um, And so what I mean by play, people often ask, so I'll give an uh, example, is um, one of the negative beliefs that I grew up with based on my um, child abuse is I have to be small. I don't get to be big. I have to be very small. And so I would pretend to be an elephant stomping around my house and just get to experience what it felt like to be this big elephant, not really caring what's in my way um, and getting to experience the sensation of being big in a way that didn't put my nervous system into shutdown and overwhelm. And so as I started doing that, um, it just changed my healing pathway. I was able to just release all of this energy. So with trauma, our bodies actually are getting us ready to fight or to flight. So stress, anxiety, all that stuff, our body's actually gearing us up and it's actually creating energy. It's, it's releasing hormones, all that kind of stuff, getting us ready to run away or to fight. And so as humans, we tend to stuff that down because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to feel it. And so tapping into play and movement allowed me to start letting go of these layers and layers of built up energy to connect to the pain that I was feeling and to be able to heal that pain without all the added uh, angst on top of it. Right. Uh, So it, and then I started working with others and it just kind of snowballed into this now coaching program where I help others use play and movement to connect to their bodies because it was such a transformative process for me on my journey. Well, that's amazing. And just in general, when you have kids that are like going through trauma, I deal with people that all the time that are like, dealing with their children and they're not sure how to exactly to deal with their children. I'm like, you probably don't even remember playing. You don't even have a memory. No. And it's so give another example. So somebody listening out here, like you said, you felt small. Yes. And that made you want to play and feel big. How might somebody listening that hasn't been through all kinds of therapy that just knows like, wow, that's, that's, I'm kind of resonating with that. I don't know how to play. I know I went through a lot of crap, but How do I know what's wrong? Like, how do I know what, how to play or what to do? And for anybody who's feeling that, that is actually very common. That's the number one thing I hear from my clients is I don't know how to play Angie. I can't do this. Um, So another example, it doesn't have to be big movements. And a lot of times when I start working with people, 
big movements are really uncomfortable. So I'm going to um, invite y'all. I'm actually going to give you guys a move. Um, so I'm going to invite y'all to do this with me. Feel free. You can do it seated. You can do it standing. You can make it as big as you want, as not big as you want. You get to be in control. And so um, this is a great example of how play and movement start to give you information. So I'm just going to invite you to start with a side to side sway. And then just start noticing as you do, maybe notice how fast you're going, how slow you're going. And there's no right or wrong. So please don't feel like you have to change it once I bring some awareness to it. Notice what's happening with your shoulders, maybe your jaw, check in with your toes. A lot of times when we're stressed, our toes crunch into the ground. When we're relaxed, our toes unclenched. Now start going front to back. So start swinging front to back and start to notice what happens. Tammy, I don't know if you noticed your shoulders just raised up as you went yep. front to back. Mm -hmm. So we all have one direction that feels more soothing to our nervous system than the other. Some people it's side to side, some people it's front to back. But so as you're going front to back, start to notice now what's happening with your toes. What's your gut doing? What are your shoulders doing? And so it's starting to become aware of this information. Now go back. If side to side is more comfortable, go back to side to side. And so, Tammy, your shoulders just dropped, your jaw, you started to smile. And checking yeah, in with definitely more comfortable going side to side. It is. So we all have one direction that's more comfortable. And so starting to gather that information and knowing when you're stressed, go side to side. If side to side is more comfortable for you or front to back, if that's more soothing. And once again, coming back to thinking of of being a baby, we self-soothe, right? Or we soothe babies by, by swaying, by rocking them in a rocking chair. And so we still have those same nervous systems. So now taking that movement and imagining um, that you're floating in the water. Imagine that you're just a sea creature floating in the water. And for some people, water creates anxiety. So if that does, maybe imagine that you're a bird floating in the air and imagine letting your body move that the water or the air is completely supporting you. It's completely taking care of your needs. I don't know if for those of you that are watching the video, my shoulders just dropped. I felt like my neck lengthened. So this imagination and this play of feeling like we're being supported by the water or the air tends to create an environment where we can relax even more. And so starting to learn both the language of our body, knowing which direction side to side, front to back is more soothing. And then adding in that element of just pretending that you're a bird or pretending that you're a sea creature takes us out of the human experience to be able to tap further into that sensation of whatever we're looking for. That's, that's awesome. No, that's a good little tactical thing right there. And it's always nice to be able to give somebody like a easy, like check this, you know, like a quick question you can ask yourself. And that would be an example. Like I always like to give a quick question, like when you do this or say this, which feels better because yeah. awareness is a hundred percent of the key. So yeah. So if you constantly find yourself doing this, that's probably, and you feel it in your gut, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe when you're sitting there, you just need to force yourself to kind of lift up the hip or. Okay, I'm going to um, maybe invite a different languaging. When yes. we use terms like force, 
then that can recreate that trauma for us. So I typically use the word invite or invite. explore because it allows us that freedom to choose. And then once you learn which direction is more soothing for you, I do it standing in line at the grocery store. I do it when I'm cooking or when I get super stressed. And so then having those movements that we know are going to soothe us or that are going to activate us, we can either avoid them or we can tap into them if we need to release some energy. It's funny that you said that because as soon as I said you could force yourself, I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to force that. Like as soon as (laughs) I said it, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I went, no, because that just made me give a little gut, a little knot in my stomach when I said that. It's funny, (laughs) but yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And some people don't even understand how much is held in your body. Like talk a little bit about that. I mean, I know I talk about it a lot. I love to hear people's different perspectives of, you know, like this trauma, like it starts coming out and how might you feel it personally? So I personally describe mine as, um, I described it as a black hole of pain sitting right here in my chest. Um, I also describe it as a swirling tornado of energy and emotional itchiness. Um, I feel like I need to peel my skin off. Uh, it's so uncomfortable. Um, one of the, one of the interesting things that I learned is, um, our body gathering information from all five of our senses sends information to our brain at a rate of 11 million bits of information per second. So that's, you know, we're gathering sensory sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, all that kind of stuff. So 11 million bits of information per second goes to our brain. Take a guess as to how much information our brain can process per second. I kind of know it's something to let other people guess, but I mean, I'm just It's 50, 50 bits of information. So we are processing only such a small percentage, which means our body's gathering all this information that we're not able to consciously do anything with. So it gets almost trapped. I always imagine it like our head is disconnected from our body. So we have all this sensory information swirling around inside of here that our brain can't handle. And so we shut out, we disconnect from it. And so that's why for me, a tornado of energy is the best way to describe it because it's this swirling mass of, I don't even know what it is sometimes because I can't connect to it. Um, and it's emotional itchiness. It's for me, it's, I need to peel my skin off because there's something that's so uncomfortable. I don't even know what it is. Um, so to use someone like out there listening, it could just be that overwhelm, that feeling of just complete and utter, like, I can't focus on one thing because I got so much coming at me and I don't even know where half the things are coming. Yeah. You know, it's just, it can be overwhelming. Absolutely. It can be overwhelming. Um, it, it, in fact, that's what, that's what my definition of trauma is, is that it's that overwhelm where you can't handle it. Um, and that to me becomes trauma when we can no longer process it. So stress, if we're handling it, you know, the trauma definition for me comes in when it gets to that point where we cannot handle what it is that's coming at us. Right. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be big T trauma, little T trauma, all that doesn't matter if it's changing your day to day being or changing how you're feeling right now. And you can't deal with it to get past it or to, to undo it. Like it's, I, I mean, I get it. Like when I, I kind of giggled when you said being uncomfortable in the 
quiet moments because yeah. it is. I'm like, what's your, what are you having for breakfast? Well, maybe a little adrenaline and a little cortisol, like yeah. <laughs> with a side of coffee and some with caffeine. a side of coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I laugh because that's, I remember when people would finally, when I went off to college and everybody, you know, everybody thought, oh, you're out of that situation. Your mom has just passed. There's no more abusers out there. There's no more people that are going to hurt you. It should have been able to be all of a sudden like, and it wasn't because I was not comfortable. I was not comfortable if I wasn't constantly like, you know, heightened alert system (laughs) in a bad way. Well, it's interesting. Our fight or flight system, which is our protective mechanisms, get triggered by memories because our memory center structurally is very close in our brain to where our fight or flight center is. Mm -hmm. So we can perceive a threat. Like I said, our body is sending all this information and we may be connecting to something that reminds us of some traumatic event that happened in our past. And we may not even be able to connect that that's what we're remembering. And so our body goes... our nervous system has a very set structure to how it goes through its process to try and protect us. And then it goes on overdrive and overdrive Mm -hmm. and overdrive. And we tend to stuff it down with whatever eating or drinking or binge watching Netflix or whatever it is so that we don't have to feel that because it's so uncomfortable. Whereas play and movement allow us to release that discomfort to start to connect to what is it that I'm really feeling other than this itchiness or this, this angst, this, you know, there are so many terms that never quite are right to describe it. It, Right. So many different things. Yeah. So what would you give as a person that's again, you know, somebody that's just like, okay, I, okay, now I get it. Now I know I need to be playful and I need to be aware and everything. What's step number one. Step number one that I give is start by moving one finger. And then maybe start moving the other finger. Um, Because when we start doing play and movement, it can be overwhelming to our systems. And so to think, okay, gosh, now that's one more thing I have to add when I don't want to do it. And I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't want to move is just add one finger. Like as you're sitting, you're binge watching Netflix is what I do clearly, which is why I keep bringing that up. You know, as you're sitting and you're watching whatever it is that you're doing to NCIS. NCIS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Just start moving one finger and then the other and actions, movements that move one side of the body and the other side of the body activate into more areas of our brain. So that brings us out of our trauma response into the rational thinking part of our brain. So one finger at a time and then rhythmic and repetitive movements are things our body likes. So rather than just do it one time is just kind of start to flow with it. And then you'll start to notice after a couple of minutes, maybe you're going to add two fingers. So start small. It doesn't have to be big. It's the action of making a side to side, right, left sided, if you can. If fingers don't work, maybe just lift one hand. Finding what works for you and feels comfortable without adding more pressure on yourself to do these big movements, because that might not be where your system is at. Okay. Okay. So they, so you're, do, you're doing this, you're trying this now. You wouldn't suggest if you're just starting to try this, that when you're being triggered by something like that would not be the time to do this. That would be the time that I would say one finger and then one finger. Um, So you're not confusing and throwing more. mm -hmm. Okay. And when we're triggered and when we're in overwhelm, the ability that we have to move we actually go into freeze. Um, so shut down, can't move. I always describe it as like those fainting goats that their legs shoot out and come over. We're just a little more sophisticated in our freeze. 
Um, and so it's just one finger at a time. And when I work with my clients, when they're actively triggered, that's all we do, or maybe put your hand on your heart and lift one finger off of it or come to the sway, just a small, gentle movement when you're triggered, because that's going to actually help pull you out of that overwhelm and start to bring the rational thinking part of your brain back online. And then when you're not triggered, you can get into some of the bigger movements, like a bigger sway, or maybe you'll do a whole hand instead of just a finger. Um, and it's just starting to learn what your body is telling you it can do without forcing more on it and creating more shame and going down that spot, that spiral. Right. Cause that's the last thing you want to do is be, I know people that try to meditate and they're like, I can't even meditate. Right. And I'm like, slow down. It's, it's not about doing it right or wrong. It's about finding what's comfortable. And if meditating to you means putting your headphones on and running, then that's meditating. Like, nobody said you have to stand there like, Ooh, nope. <laughs> so I, I'm one of those people. I can't sit still and meditate. That is triggering for me. So mm -hmm. I have to be doing some sort of movement in order to get into that mind body connection. And so that's normal. That's, that was something that was really one of those aha moments for me in trauma informed yoga is that meditation taught traditionally is you sit still, you, you know, connect to the inner stillness. But for many of us who have had chaotic, traumatic, whatever words you want to use childhoods, we can't sit in that peace. That's the discomfort for us. Right. So like, yeah, it could be, like I said, putting the, I used to always just put my headphones on. Remember when they had the little cassette Walkmans? Yes, Remember? yes, yes. And put it on. Put, now it's like iPods. And now I used to carry my little square Walkman with me. And just, yeah. that was my meditation because it yeah. was still being in the moment, tuning yep. everything else out and not letting in outside distractions get me. Yep. Absolutely. So, I'm a yeah. big believer in that. Great. Well, so You've been doing what you do for a while. So that's super exciting. Um, so since you said you started your healing journey in 2017. I started healing from my child abuse in 2017. From the child abuse. Correct. Okay. Okay. So for those of you out there listening, it's it's not 30 years. It's not 40 years. It doesn't have to be. Um, I always tell people that I love that there's so many different modalities now that don't cost money. Yeah. You know, you can just, you can get going, at least get going and, and explore different things and see what works for you. And I love this because this is such a natural thing. I mean, by, by default, we like to move. So how do you know, like, if you're, let's just say you're practicing and you're swaying, how do you know that you're getting anything from it? That's where we start to, when we can interpret the language of our bodies, we can understand that. So even, so the side to side sway, you start to notice what it feels like to be relaxed versus, so for me, side to side is more soothing versus front to back and whichever direction for you, you start to notice what tension feels like. So there's value in going in the direction that feels uncomfortable because you start to become aware of what tension feels like in your body. And then what that does is that helps you to realize earlier on when you start to feel your shoulders go up, you realize that you're going into tension rather than waiting till you get into full overwhelm to fix it. So you start yep. to notice you're feeling tension. You can do something to shift and change that earlier on that, that pathway before you get to full overwhelm. And it starts to become this positive feedback. I noticed 
that I do side to side sway, I'll all of a sudden notice that I'm doing the side to side sway because that's what's more soothing for me. And then I think, oh my gosh, I'm a little stressed about X, Y, and Z. And my body, I've trained it to already go into this sway when I start to connect to my shoulders are rising up, my gut is tightening up and it becomes more instinctive and more natural. And you can, can change the pathway that you're on in that moment in time instantly. It's an instant change. And you become aware of that sooner and sooner, the more you do it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, awareness is hundred percent of the key. You just have mm-hmm. to know, like, sometimes I'll say if someone gets stressed out, you know, where do you feel it? And they're like, what do you mean? Where do I feel it? I feel it in my head. I'm like, no, you probably don't. Like, where do you feel it? And then you think like, oh yeah, my gut is clenched. My lower back is sore. My I'm digging, like you said, I'm digging my toes into the ground. And so just finding the the patterns and the things that your body naturally enjoys doing. I sway all the time. So I pretty much knew when we started to do that. Yeah, that's what, yeah. there, it, you would think I still have my 27 year old on my hip because I'm constantly just do, 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 my hips back and forth and I'm always moving. It, it, our nervous systems like rhythmic and repetitive. And so it is very soothing. Think of how we soothe babies. I know I said that earlier. It's the same thing. We still have those same nervous systems as adults. And so, um, yeah, it becomes information that we then can do something to shift and change in that moment earlier and earlier and earlier as we learn. That's awesome. I love it. I love that you're given, like, I love, like, I'm sure there's people out there that are going to watch this that are going to be like trying it out. And yes, this works. And I'll probably get some phone calls like, Hey, you know what? I go forward and back. And I'll be like, okay, where'd that come from? (laughs) Because I always get those comments like, yeah, what she said works. And, and that's, I think why when I have guests on here, I like to bring some tangible little activities they can do, you know, little things, if you're not aware, you know, you might be fighting it when you're upset, you might be doing this. And that could be the worst thing you could possibly do. It, it, you could find something that would definitely bring more peace to your body. And then Absolutely. the play element, I'm going to come back to the play element because what play does is it separates us from the, um, the, the mental stories that go along with it. So okay. when you say, um, where do you feel stress in your body? A lot of times we can't feel that because we're actually, when we go into overwhelm and shutdown, our body actually numbs us because we're our body releases hormones to numb us. So we can't always feel where we feel stress. Whereas if we're doing a playful movement, like imagining that you're floating on the wind or you're, you know, you're in the water and you can start to notice where you feel stress, then that becomes easier to connect to, oh, it's in my belly. Oh, I feel it in my shoulders because we don't have the mental associations with danger, 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 something is stressful or I'm overwhelmed. Play gives us that separation, which is why it's so powerful um, from the mental stories that are associated with the feelings. That makes so much sense. Absolutely. hundred percent sense. <laughs> so we just play, you just play for a living. That's like my husband, I, he fishes for a living. I'm like, that's not work. So you just get to play with me. <laughs> I, I play for a living. I know it's amazing. I had a client who was feeling like she was um, unimportant and she didn't get to be important. And so we stomped around like Tyrannosaurus Rexes for, you know, 15 minutes. I get to play for a living. I love it. I get to be a T-Rex or an elephant or a fish or whatever, a butterfly. Like, yeah, it's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. This was fun. This was super fun. This so so um, fun. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm 
every you guys just intrigue me so much when people come on here because now I'm like okay it's like the laugh yoga I had not done laugh yoga before and somebody mentioned I think it was Lauren that said we ought to have laugh yoga in the serenity circle and I was like oh cool laugh yoga so I spent the literally the next three weeks every morning doing laugh yoga which by the way is super fun <laughs> amazing it's it is so beneficial I could talk for hours so yeah mm-hmm, I love it I mean, and then the play goes right along with it, you know, and it goes right into what we do when we are teaching children or adults and helping them get out of that childhood trauma is go back and reconnect with that younger you go back and sit with that younger you on a park bench and watch the kids on the swing set or whatever it is, you know, so that seems like we're always heading back to that younger playful selves anyway. To heal. It's when we can connect to what that younger wounded child needed and do it, you know, physically do it, twirl circles, roll down a hill, you know, whatever it was, then that is so healing to our wounded inner child. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't, I think it was a couple months ago and it was really stupid, but I, I don't know what I was doing. I ran in my living room and thought I was going to just do a circle. I mean, like a somersault, you know, and I was, I was a gymnast and boy, my wounded inner child loved it, but my back was like, Oh hell no. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's that part. Baby steps, Tammy, baby steps to this playful (laughs) thing, but it was fun. You know, I was just like, I was like, Ooh, I was dizzy. And I was like, Oh God, to be a kid again. Like, love it. Love it. Absolutely. Love it. So if people wanted to work with you or or do something, what is the easiest way to get hold of you? Yeah. The easiest way is my website, angiebarrettmovement.com. And I spell my last name B-E-R-R-E-T-T. I spell it a little differently. So it's angiebarrettmovement.com. And um, that has every way that you can get a hold of me. I do have a free guide that delves more into trauma and play and has more playful movement suggestions. This way is one of those in there. Um, It also has all my social media. So I put a lot of videos out talking and giving examples of play and movement. And so you can contact me that way. Has my phone number, email, my website is best, angiebarrettmovement.com. Perfect. And I will put all those links in the show notes so anybody can get hold of you. But I just, yeah, that's easy, simple, your name. (laughs) Yep. And movement. So Angie Barrett, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Now, Angie, if you had to leave listeners, no, assuming that you're getting from all walks of life, from everywhere, from 10 to 80 years old, whatever it is, what would be a piece of some just advice or words of wisdom that you would give them? Something to, to leave with. Life doesn't have to always be heavy. We get to enjoy parts of life. And even the hard parts can, we can find ways of finding joy in them when we connect to that fun, creative inner child. Um, So life doesn't have to always be heavy. I love it. And I have not gotten that one before. So that's very good because I get a lot of the same, like it's you're, you're worth it. And a lot of those, but I haven't gotten life doesn't always have to be heavy. And that is super powerful because I always, you know, trauma is a bunch of, bag of rocks in a backpack on your back and we've spent our whole lives trying to unload them and you just gave us the simple permission to do that yeah and, you and can I do it so yeah absolutely and I so appreciate that so thank you so so much for coming on I lo- absolutely love it and I'm sure people will be reaching out for you thank you thanks for having me I've enjoyed it Oh, you're very welcome. And for everybody out there listening, again, just get out there and move. Because like she said, life doesn't always have to be heavy. We can we can play, we can jump, we can run, we could be that little child that we were so destined to be before life happened, right? And thank Absolutely. you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. And you all have a blessed day and we will see you back here. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, keep embracing your strength, keep being you, and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.